It's Tuesday, which means it is time for another installment of Pickin' Bones here on the First Gen Hunter Podcast. It has been quite a flash of a week. Hard to believe. In fact, I almost forgot to get this one ready for you this week. That's how fast the past week has gone. And what went so fast, you ask? Well, I was up at Pheasant Fest basically since Wednesday of last week. Uh, We had to go up a day early to the day early that we were going to go. That's right. So we were there basically two nights before Pheasant Fest started. And the reason for that is uh, we had a ton of snow move in here in Iowa coming on Thursday, which is really the day that they recommended everyone get there to get set up and everything. And so uh, we had to kind of bail out of here Wednesday evening. And uh, so just been living in a hotel for the last several days. Um, and uh, hanging out with my coworker Nicholas. Big shout out to him for not, you know, murdering me in my sleep uh, after spending that much time with me. But uh, it was a really great time. And so that's actually what I'm going to kind of build this episode around. Uh, Pheasant Fest. It was just a fantastic experience from start to finish. Um, if you listen to my other podcast that I'm on, uh, that would be the Prairie Farm Podcast. Uh, that's done through my company that I work for, um, Hoxie Native Seeds. We are a prairie farm. In fact, if you look at my Instagram, you'll probably see in my job description there somewhere, prairie farmer. That, that That's literally what I do. Um, not somebody who uh, farms the prairie, meaning I set... Uh, plow to it and overturn it and replace it with, you know, uh, some kind of commodity crop. Uh, no, and I'm, I'm doing kind of the opposite trying to recover prairie land. And, uh, so we raise seed at my company, uh, prairie flowers, grasses, sedges, and, uh, we put them into seed mixes, uh, for folks that are looking for them for maybe just in their yard. Maybe they want a little spot for butterflies and, and bees, or maybe they uh, uh, have a hunting property and they want to put a lot of tall prairie grasses in there for bedding and security or thermal cover, uh, or maybe a screen to get to their tree stand or, or all of the above, right? And uh, we also deal with uh, landowners who have acres that aren't very productive and they can receive uh, compensation for setting that land aside through the uh, federal CRP program, Conservation Reserve Program. Yeah, that's what that means when you hear somebody talking about CRP grass. Uh, they're they're just talking about prairie grass, really. But uh, anyway, so I was with my company. We were up at Pheasant uh, Pheasant Fest, and uh, actually a previous guest on this show. Uh, Bob St. Pierre, he was on in October of 2021, I believe, and uh, uh, my uh, co-worker Nicholas and I, we drove up to Minneapolis this past June to go interview him and the president of Pheasants Forever named Howard Vincent. Uh, Howard is actually finishing up his tenure as president there here, I believe, like at the end of this month or something like that. He's um, uh, retiring. He's been there for a very long time, basically since the beginning, and uh, he's just done a fantastic job with uh, leading that organization. And uh, I think there's so many great organizations in 
the conservation space, the conservation advocacy organizations. You might remember a previous episode when I had Marissa Jensen on here and I asked her what her uh, opinion would be for the right term for that. And I believe that's she taught me that one, conservation advocacy group. And uh, there's there's tons of great ones, but I really feel that Pheasants Forever uh, stands out from the pack with how they manage uh, the the money that is raised. Not that it's being mismanaged or anything like that, misappropriated or whatever by the other groups. I just think that Pheasants Forever milks a few extra pennies out of every dollar than what a lot of other groups um, are able to do. Uh, I think it comes a lot from just a creative mindset and a mindset of trying to put as much of that dollar that is given to them straight back into conservation. I I don't remember their exact claim, but I know it's uh, somewhere in the 90-something cents of every dollar goes directly back into conservation, and uh, th- that goes straight back to their leadership for the past uh you know, several decades in Howard Vincent. And uh, it, so going up to the event, everything around it was just spectacular. Um, they had a lot of cool uh, speakers there doing seminars uh, based on, uh, you know, s- certain general topics like uh, uh, public land uh, was one thing. And so uh, actually Ryan Callahan from Meat Eater was there, was a speaker for that. Um, I think Lan Tawney may have been there uh, from Backcountry Hunters and Anglers to maybe speak of that. And if not that, I know he was involved in some other uh, uh, events that were going on there. Whit Fosberg from the Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership was there. Um, Ted Cook, who uh, uh, we my coworker Nicholas and I have interviewed on, a, on an episode of the Prairie Farm Podcast was there, and we had a great time with him. But there's also a lot of other great guys like Doug Duran. Of uh, you, you'll see him collaborate with some stuff on Meat Eater uh, quite frequently. Actually, Ron Bame, who's been on this podcast before, ran into him, had some great conversations with him. Uh, just a lot of really good people, and then probably the best part. Um, just for like the whole big picture of everything uh, was was just all the people there attending the events had this uh, you know this it's, you just knew everybody there accepted not only accepted hunting but they took part in it and it meant something to them to the point that they would go spend money at this event bring their kids along, bring their spouses, uh, bring their <laughs> bring their uh, parents and grandparents along with them too. We saw people of all ages there and uh, it was just really a, a uh, special thing to be around so many people that care so much about our upland habitat. So uh, yeah, but I want to do, uh, give a big shout out, especially to Bob St. Pierre and Howard Vincent. When we went and interviewed them, they encouraged Nicholas and, and me to uh, set up a booth there and attend this year. And man, we do not regret that at all. I want to hit a couple of things. So I don't want this just to be a commercial for Pheasants Forever and Pheasants Fest. Although you should join if you uh, um, in, enjoy hunting either pheasants or quail or just enjoy per, uh, conserving um, upland habitat. You need to be a member 
of Pheasants Forever if you aren't already or Quail Forever. It's all the same organization now. But um, you need to you need to join if you have not uh, yet done so. And you need to attend Pheasant Fest if you haven't done so as well. But I wanted to share some of the things that I picked up on while I was there. So uh, Doug Duran, as I mentioned earlier, he gave a seminar on uh, his Sharing the Land initiative. Um, it's this project he's putting together that's uh, based on this idea. It's actually, he, he talks about this in when he gave his uh, his speech, um, I guess you'd say. <clears throat> he talked about how he copied it from uh, something that Aldo Leopold was involved in called the Riley Game Cooperative. And uh, Riley, I believe, is a town in kind of southwest Wisconsin area. And uh, back in like the 1920s and 30s, uh, there was this problem where uh, hunters... Uh, didn't have any good places to hunt uh, because they needed uh, some private land access. And there was a lot of problems with poaching going on. Uh, Farmers didn't trust people to come and hunt their property. And so this little community put together this game cooperative where uh, the people that wanted to hunt uh, on these local landowners' farms, they would put some skin in the game, so to speak. So they would help mend fences. They would maybe help bale hay. They would help, uh, you know, patrol for poachers or anyone that's on the property that shouldn't be there, help with any other chores that the landowner may have in owning that land. And then in return, they would be given the right to get go out there and, and hunt, not just like an open, you know, an open fence policy necessarily, you know, they needed to coordinate with the other hunters who would be hunting there as well. And with the landowner. Um, but it, it really was this thing that became a beautiful representation of, of, uh, people working together and, uh, to enjoy hunting and to help, uh, with conservation and and building stronger communities even we could say well Doug Duran has taken that and is sharing the land initiative and uh, he's he's trying to make that a thing that goes you know far beyond just one small community something that goes throughout our whole country and it's really a, a, a very cool idea a very uh, I think forward thinking idea and uh, he said something that kind of got me thinking a little bit he so uh, part of the process to be involved in sharing the land, if you are somebody who wants some private land access, you can apply to sharing the land and you basically treat it like a job application. So you fill out a resume on your hunting experience as well as any experience that you have that could be of benefit to uh, a potential landowner that you'd be matched up with. And uh um, so they would go through and they'd list, you know, all the things that they, you know, their hunting experience, but uh, these other skills as well. And then they'd be reviewed and matched, you know, or accepted by a landowner uh, based on those things. Or maybe they hadn't hunted before and they needed to be set up with a mentor to show them how to hunt. Uh, and so uh, that got me thinking, though. You know, we all have a hunting resume. Either that resume is blank or that resume uh, is many pages long, right? And 
it made me think, you know, how do we continue through our lives to build that resume? Certainly my resume looks very different now, my hunting resume, than it did in uh, 2015 when I was first started wandering around my grandparents' farm. Uh, not sure if I was hunting for uh, you, you know, if I was going to fill my deer tag or just give up and switch over to pheasant hunting, uh, the, you know, my, my experience, thankfully through, you know, the help of mentors through a lot of opportunity to go hunting through the help of good friends like, uh, uh, Alex, uh, Gruen, uh, invited me on a bear hunt. You know, my, my hunting experiences have changed so much. And uh, I think that we kind of, as time goes on, we may add a few things like the bear hunt that I just talked about, but we also start to specialize just like on a regular uh, resume for, you know, our careers. We specialize in a few areas, and I think that's a good thing. I think as things kind of shake out, we find out what it is that we're good at and what we're passionate about. And while I was up there at Pheasant Fest, man, I... I probably, you know, shook hands, gave out business cards, you know, sat and and talked. There's there's these two uh, older gentlemen that stopped by our booth and we had a shed sitting up there. It was nothing special. It was, you know, it was a decent one. Anybody would be happy to find it, but uh, it certainly wasn't any of the the hammers that uh, uh, Caleb and I have uh, had the privilege of picking up over the past several years. But um, it it struck up a conversation about deer hunting when before you know it we spent probably 15 minutes 20 minutes swapping deer hunting stories showing pictures of different bucks to each other and uh it was just a great time uh, but a lot of the guys there were they pretty much specialized in uh uh hunting uh birds hunting upland uh, uh, bird species. Uh, of course, up in Minnesota, that's a little bit different than down here in central Iowa. Um, it's uh, uh, a, a lot different from, you know, some of the guys that we talked to from North and South Dakota or uh, guys over in uh, Wisconsin, you know. There was all these different uh, uh, ways that people pursued this passion of upland bird hunting um but it it really you know made me feel i don't know what the right word is maybe um almost like refreshed to see that not everybody has to do it the same way not everybody has to look at it the same way you know i love pheasant hunting but it doesn't come close to how much i love deer hunting uh and it doesn't come you know and i i probably would say i like shed hunting even more than i like pheasant hunting as much as i love pheasant hunting and getting out with my dogs and i plan to do it for the rest of my life um i just really love those other things but that doesn't mean that we can't add things to our resume either so work on those strengths i guess is what i'm saying those things that you're naturally interested in keep pursuing them keep building them keep you know become an expert because then you're set up in so many ways to either maybe start your own podcast someday and share your experience maybe be a mentor to somebody who's a uh, brand new first gen hunter and needs those needs that help and guidance from somebody to show them how to get it done or maybe uh you're gonna set up a booth at 
at uh, Pheasants Forever yourself someday or maybe uh, uh, at the Iowa Deer Classic or something like that, right? But uh, really pursue those things that you're passionate in the hunting world. Build that hunting resume. Uh, be a better uh, hunting community member. Uh, value conservation. Value uh, appropriate sharing with others around and uh, um always be growing, always be expanding that. And uh, I think at the end of all of our lives, if we do that, we'll look back, we'll be very satisfied with how we spent each and every time in the woods. All right. With that being said, please remember this podcast is presented by Spartan Forge. Spartan Forge was just down at the NWTF convention. Uh, Hope If you uh, weren't at Pheasant Fest, maybe you were able to go down there. I think it was in Nashville this year, Um, but it looked like they had a great time there. They have the best mapping app available to hunters. Make sure you pick it up and subscribe to the services you need. You can either do that through a monthly program or an annual like I do, and uh, you will be very satisfied with that. I can guarantee that. And also talk to Alex Gruen of East to West Hunts. Go to eastwesthunts.com. Book your service with him. Uh, you need to uh, be expanding that hunting resume. You need to try some other new things too. You know, it's good to keep building the old and good ones, but you need to also be looking into how to uh, grow a little bit uh, as a as a hunter in your experience level. Alex can help you do that just as he did for me and uh yeah that's pretty much all i have for you on this episode here i'm gonna be at the deer classic coming up in a few weeks be sure to look for the hoxie native seed uh booth there i had a listener of this here podcast shout out to jimmy right now it's so great to meet him and his wife they were just a fantastic uh, uh couple of people and uh just really excited to meet them if you're a listener to this podcast, be sure to come by, say hi at our booth at the Iowa Deer Classic coming up in just a few weekends, uh, actually the first weekend of March to be specific. And until next time, take care and take someone hunting.